Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Hello, welcome back. Episode two of Marijuanica. This is Bob Makla. I will be your host. I am your host. Not will be. I am in this current state right now. It's happening. What is Marijuanica? Candid cannabis conversations. And uh, today's episode, we will have. Uh, we'll be chatting with our friend. Um, well, he's. He uh, he is he is asked to uh, he's taken an alias is what he's done here, so he shall be referred to as Jim Steele. Jim, thanks for being with us. Um, so the first episode was something a conversation I had we had recorded Wyatt Hewison out in L.A. recorded back in hmm, when was that twenty ten. So we're gonna mix it up. We're gonna have. Com- current conversations, previous conversations, so it's going to be, every episode will be one or the other, obviously. Hmm, are we going to have to record this all over again? No, we're just going to go straight for it. We're just going to get into it. I'm not going to do a whole lot of editing of this, of these opening sections. I'm just going to let it happen, unless, of course, there's like a disgusting burp or a... Like that. Oh, sorry. God, that's not very, uh, not being real respectful of your audience, are you? When you're burping into the microphone. But we're going to keep that to a minimum. We are learning on the job here. We have this very cool recording device at our disposal and GarageBand and SoundCloud. So, heck, why not do that, right? Let's do this. So, this is a conversation we had in, at our dining room table a couple weeks ago with our friend Jim Steele. So uh, here we go. Thanks, Jim. Don't use that. And I can edit anything out. Okay? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where that's going. So what I'm going to do... I accidentally let that go out. If you want to... um, The way I see this happening is... Pot conversations, ask people their pot history. If there's anything that you're uncomfortable with going out to cyberspace... Yeah. Tell me. All right. It's all good. Um, But I like... I'm, I'm thinking of this as a way to get into... Pot conversations, but also have conversations where it goes beyond that. Just like, mm-hmm. I would want to hear what this tour is for you. Yeah, I mean, what that entails for you and your thoughts on that stuff. So if you if you're not comfortable talking about that stuff on this, yeah, yeah, let me know. All right, yeah. So you're my second guest. <laughs> number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're my but number two. I, I, well, <laughs> I can hold you back and make you number three or four if you like. Because I have hours of um, recorded conversations already from when I worked at the dispensary. Mm-hmm. So I do a mix of using that old stuff and then this new stuff too. Yeah. So that's where we're going. So, and you're also free to uh, use an alias if you like. Yeah. You don't have to use your real name. Um, Jim Steele. 
We're here with Jim Steele, and 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 you can go into as much or as little of your occupation, Jim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> that's the begin. That's the that's the beginning. That's the basics there. But we can we can begin by what I like to hear is like tell me about the first time you ever smoked pot. Do you remember the first time? Do you yes, I do. Pot? I do remember the first time. You do? Yeah. How, how I was were really you? nervous, too. Yeah. How old were you? <laughs> I was 16. Did somebody talk you into it, or had you been jumping um, A few it? of my friends had already partaked, and I, you know, was one of the last of that group of friends to smoke pot, which is kind of funny. Did you say no to it for a while? For a, for a while? while, I did say no to it. And what was your basis for saying no? My for uncle... Reagan? No. Uh, my uncle had a drug problem and ended up dying before I really ever knew him. And wow. I kind of... How old was he? He was pretty young. And how old were you when he died? Um... I was two, I think. Mm, you never know. Yeah, I never knew him. My brother said he remembered him a little bit, but and is your, he, my brother's three years older. Okay, and that's your mom's but brother or your dad's brother? My mom's sister's husband. Oh. I had a, um, my aunt's husband died of a heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. And she was 18 at the time, and she was in jail when he died. Yeah. Yeah. He, she came to visit her in jail, and she was in the same jail as a couple of the Manson girls, uh-huh. and he came to visit her, and um, she got busted for passing bad checks to get them heroin, oh, yeah. and he came to visit her, and she felt like he talked her into it, mm-hmm. and so when he came to visit her in jail, she got angry and said, I never want to see you again, and uh, after that, he OOD'd, yeah. so we all, I feel like a lot of people have those kind of stories somewhere in mm-hmm. their family, yeah, yeah. And that plays a part in, in your conception of... Well, at the time, it played a huge part. It did? Yeah. <laughs> Had you grown up here? What was his name? I mean, I... Uncle... Uncle Jay. Uncle Jay? Yeah. <laughs> the irony. So, Uncle Jay, you heard about him all growing up, and that was your stay away from drugs. Yeah, that was you. kind of, yeah. Something that kind of set with me, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, what made you finally go... Uncle Jay might uh, not care. This might not have anything to do with Uncle Jay. I'm young and I'm going to try it. I mean, I guess a little bit of peer pressure and a little bit of curiosity. <laughs> yeah. And what, uh, the first time you did it, did it, did it, uh, did it live up to what you thought it would be? What was the experience like? Where were you? I was at a friend's lake house. And the old lake house. Yeah, the old lake house first smoking incident. Um, <laughs> But uh, I remember, yeah, he had like a bong or something, and we were smoke. I just remember we were like sitting by the lake, kind of close to like duskish, mm-hmm. and smoking this bong by the lake, and just like laughing for like ever and like. How many of you were there? There was, I think, four of us, four or five of us. Yeah. Yeah. All your buddies. Yeah, all my buddies from uh, sophomore year in high school. Sophomore. <laughs> so after that, because a lot of people, the first time I did that, I didn't feel like I got high. I feel like this is, this 
is not what I thought it would be. This is what I was saying no to all these years. Yeah, it was not what I thought either. Yeah. And it, it wasn't what scary. Did you th- it wasn't did scary. <laughs> you thought it was scary? No, no, I said it was, I know, it was but not. But before you but did, yeah. you thought it was scary and yeah. it was going to lead to harder, harsher drugs? I, I, it wasn't, I don't even think I was thinking that. I was just just scared to do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> And then you do it, and you can't stop laughing. You've never laughed so much. Oh, uh, yeah. It was really fun. I remember that. I was like, oh. Uh-oh. It's not really as like, bad as people had made it out to be. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel kind of like you'd been lied to? Um, that I, was, that was, that's I think a lot of the lied to parts came after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, for years to come. <laughs> About that or other About thing? that you had been lied to. Yeah, yeah. But not yeah. just about that. Yeah, it starts with, uh, it starts with uh, Santa Claus, then it works its way up to yeah, the Yeah, the Easter you, Bunny, yeah. and then, and then yeah. Deep Dark Family Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> get revealed for the next 20 years. Um, but pot's a good place to start to um, open your mind to those, those ideas, because, um, I don't know, I feel like, because you're so, it's so drummed in your head when you're a kid that pot is lumped in with all that other the stuff. The Reagans. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're almost shamed, guilt-tripped, and terrified into, into believing that. Mm-hmm. And then when you find out that it's not anywhere near what they said it was going to be, mm-hmm. it's a pretty. I feel like it's a big uh, disappointment in people that have been telling you things for your whole life. Yeah. It's not to say it's a... This is not an advocacy for everyone should smoke pot and be high twenty four seven. But when when you're sold something so strongly in one direction, then you do it like you do and have a positive experience for it. I think that's a it can be a big switch in a, in somebody's world. Mm-hmm. How do how to play out for you after that? After after my first time smoking, yeah. Um, did you become a I, I, yeah, I quickly started using pot um, yeah. a lot, <laughs> and um, I was getting in a lot of. I was at the time I was also getting in a lot of trouble for drinking, so I started drinking before I, you know, I had gotten into this, and I was yeah. kind of uh, a, a bad child. <laughs> were. Yeah, I was. How I, old were you when you started drinking? Sixteen, around the same time, but pot came shortly after. Yeah, mm. a couple of days, a weeks, months after. What was the? Remember? Mm. I don't really remember off the top. It was definitely it was definitely drinking first, and you had some yes. issues with drinking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyone drinking at sixteen yeah, the first time, <laughs> who can control that? Yeah. I was just well, it's, yeah. you know, and that's another thing you're, you're kind of like not really taught about very well. Um, how alcohol works. On yeah, you. yeah. You know, like. I think the U.S. treats it a lot differently than some other countries do. Yeah. You travel a lot for your job, so mm-hmm. have, you, have you noticed Yeah. Oh, well, I've it? talked to people about stuff, you know. Like how? Like, like different... Give me di- an example. Just differences in cultures. Like, here's an interesting thing. Like, in Sweden, it's really hard to get a driver's license. You had to pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, like, I guess it's a hard class. This is all from you know what someone's told me yeah. and it costs you know thousands of dollars just to get a driver's license and so I mean I think that's kind of smart but like we don't do that here you can go just give anyone a driver's license yeah. and a 16 year old <laughs> who can memorize a test yeah yeah and I think that they educate 
um, them a lot in some of those classes about, you know, the dangers of, yeah. of that stuff. But, you know, like here you don't really teach your kids how to drink, you know what I mean? Like, which is probably wouldn't, would be very beneficial for, to have that education, like to be introduced to it and like how to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just saying you shouldn't do it. That's the end. Anything yeah. less than that is is advocating drinking when as a teenager. Yeah. Instead of talking to them about it, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Most of them are going to do it. Yeah. But they're going to do it behind your back because you haven't talked to them about how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's changing. My sister has got some kids and uh, had, had some high school kids and she's like, if you guys are going to drink, do it here, give me your keys, and you're going to spend the night if you get drunk. Yeah. You know, that's that was never offered to me when I was a kid. Yeah. So it's pretty progressive, and then it's not this thing that they want to go sneak off and do, and mm-hmm. exactly, yeah, excitement to it. But you also like don't want to be end up being like the cool parent ringleader that's having that end up happening at your house. So there's like a delicate balance yeah. of education and not letting your kid get you know away with too much. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to know what that line is because it's. It's a fine line between being the party parent or being the responsible parent who knows mm-hmm. who can talk to their kid about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And a lot of those people. It's funny for me to think, hear those stories, and think about. I know a lot of people who have kids now, like teenage age kids, college age kids, and and I remember when they were in high school and college, when they were partying, like their kids are partying now. Mm-hmm. So to have them like. I don't know, how do you frame that, that topic to your to your kid when 20 years ago you were the one that wasted barfing in the bushes and <laughs> you know, making bad, bad decisions? Yeah. It's hard to say, can, it's hard to tell your kid, don't do this because I did and it was wrong. And then your kids might go, well, geez, you got to do it. I can make my own mistakes. I can learn from your mistakes and do it without getting taken to that far. There is a lot of truth to that, though, about um, learning from your own mistakes. Yeah. 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 You kind of have to do it. Mm-hmm. If you can just live through and survive it and not kill anyone or hurt anyone, then you're better off for it. Yeah. But as a parent, how do you tell your kid that? How, what was your parents' reaction when you first started drinking? What were you doing? What kind of stupid things were you doing? Oh, I was just... Fucking up in school? I was getting into some trouble, and then eventually I was, like, getting, like, arrested for, you know, being underage drinker out in public. Yeah. <laughs> Going to jail. Yeah. And having, and having yeah, having my jail. mom pick me up from the jail, like, and taking me to, like, a summer school class, because if I missed that class, I would be, like, not graduating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, was there but, Yeah, that was, like, kind of a... a a big low having your mom pick you up from jail. <laughs> yeah, I had that happen. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and what takes that low to an even lower low is reacting like a fucking five year old crybaby mm-hmm. and being just terrified <laughs> of the whole experience. You were probably wasted. And yeah, I mean, but that yes, but that was like that was not because of marijuana. That's because of drinking. Like right, and so my thoughts are about uh, marijuana versus versus drinking like I think drinking is 10 times more dangerous than marijuana yeah um 
with the exception of like having to smoke it. Like I'm glad vaporizers and stuff are coming out that are healthier for yeah usage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you don't hear about too many like incidents with marijuana and. Just that person was high on marijuana and they did this. They went, hey, killed five people in a mall. Sign traces of marijuana in the system. Yeah. Well, they almost still throw the marijuana when it's in there with the, with the alcohol or with the cocaine. Mm-hmm. But it's rarely just pot only. Somebody's done some... Yeah, I mean, I remember reading some article in... Uh, I can't remember what magazine it was in, but it was this year. And it was talking about, like incidents in Colorado involving marijuana and there was they had like said that two people had reportedly committed suicide while on marijuana that's it two two yeah and I thought that that's a pretty low number yeah. <laughs> of incidences involving marijuana yeah yeah I wonder if it was just mar- if it was just marijuana that, yeah. that's it might have been deaths only I can't remember I think yeah responsible for deaths and like that's the only it was there wasn't like any car crashes reported right. or yeah there wasn't a spike in in um in crime mm-hmm. yeah well, these two states are going to be as far as i know yeah yeah um we gotta look into that that's what that'll be on episode three i'll have some stats for you <laughs> but what's interesting is that um these two uh these two states are going to be like the the test two babies the the, the uh the guinea pigs of what happens when you legalize this stuff in America. Mm-hmm. There's going to be all this data that they can go, well, test scores went up, fertility went down, crime went way down. Um, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to be really interesting to see what uh, all the numbers play out in this mm-hmm. situation. Have you been to any states that are where it's legal? It's Colorado and Washington. Both of them? Yeah. I've been to, yeah, I've been to one, I've only been to one legal marijuana store in Aspen, Colorado. Aspen was your I can't remember the name of it, but. What was the. uh, I remember how to get there. (laughs) (laughs) You do remember how to get there? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Had somebody told you about it? You find it online? Um, Yeah, I had walked, I was there for work, and I had walked down. To this other like healthcare center, and he, and at the time the, that's what like, they call them healthcare center. Well, the healthcare center on wouldn't sell it because it was just for medical use at that one, particular uh-huh. one, and the, they were waiting on like the license for them to be able to sell it like the other stores or the yeah. the dispensaries did, because um, the health center was just medical. Yeah, so but he told me where to go. Oh, he, told he, he pointed me in the right direction. <laughs> and then you found a 7-Eleven. Yeah, I mean, it was like one of the most professional organizations I've seen and very clean and organized and yeah. took your ID and signed in and, I mean... Did you buy joints? Did you buy nuggets? What did you... What, yeah, what I bought some... Edibles? I think that... Wait, is this the jar from that place? <laughs> it might be. Aspen, Colorado. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I think it is. Silver Peak. Silver Peak. And I bought, apparently, some strawberry cough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see that. Strawberry cough. So, who were you, um, who were you there with? 
Uh, I was there with an electronic artist. So you definitely need some of that legal weed if you're going to be... What's that? I said you definitely need some of that legal weed if you're going to be working with an electronic <laughs> artist in Aspen. No, I just like to smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or that. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> That's kind of a monumental... Um, moment in a long time pot smoker life I would think you're walking into a place it was it was no it was definitely what something I thought about I was like this is kind of crazy cause I remember watching uh do you remember the show Weeds I love Weeds did, yeah. Of yeah did you see it in the last episode where yeah, it's like where things have together. pretty much become that way and at the time when I was watching that last episode I was like this is so far ahead in time like this isn't gonna happen anytime soon like this is the most I, and I didn't like the ending of Weeds you didn't like the fact that it was because ended. I was like, well, no, I didn't like the oh, like yeah. last episode. You didn't like that with the reading because where they all came together because and... I thought that it was too like that was so far fetched. And then I'm like standing there in a marijuana shop, and I was like, well, this is almost exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I didn't think I was gonna see it, you know, happen ever um, in your lifetime. No, not 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 that. not not in my lifetime, but yeah. just not as soon as it did. <laughs> not 3 years after the last episode of Weeds. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know the that exact dates and when it ended compared to. Yep. But that was last summer that I went to that uh store in Colorado. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing that that's happening. It, they just passed it in uh, DC also. Yeah, I saw that against some of the against the against will of the, the yeah, yeah, they're like I saw I read that the other day. The people clearly want it to happen. There's and there's a whole there's like a yeah, small and percentage the, of business people, politicians, and I mean even a lot of right wing wing Christian people seem to be more open minded to it than you would think. Yeah, that I've met. Well, I mean, and there there's the revenue, which I think you know, Colorado and Washington were kind of the test states mm-hmm. to see how it would work out, and and those. Um, states are making money off of it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's no? Is it, I wonder if there's any opposition at all in the state because after they've seen how smooth running it is, and yeah, I mean, I I'm sh- I know like I called it the Great Green Rush of 2009 because I was living in Austin and like all my friends were like headed there to grow weed. <laughs> <laughs> to Colorado? Yeah. The Great Green Rush. And I, yeah, the, the, the Great Green Rush. Because yeah. like, everyone wanted to get in on the ground floor from when it first started. And so how are all of five and years, six years? One like, of my friends owns a dispensary there. Um, in Denver? Yeah. Another, and then a bunch of them, like, they have work there from it so mm. it did create some jobs it worked out for all of them yeah. yeah no one's in a gutter strung out on weed <laughs> good to know good the to great know. green rush yeah yeah I'm sure in the, in the historians will be will be studying this closely at one point and having a good laugh over the fact that we we had it illegal and demonized for as long as we did really yeah so how long do you think it will be before uh, Brooklyn gets it? Well, I mean, it's already kind of just known that it's decriminalized here. Well, but I mean, did you see the article about the the like grow house in uh, Red Hook? The cherry thing. The cherry. Yeah. Well, I want to go that, see that place. I'm I mean, that is here. really intense though, because 
So wait, let's we tell talking... people what that is. There's a oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a family business that where they supplied maraschino cherries to like Chick Fil A and Chili's and just all these businesses all over America. A family business started in the late twenties, I think. Or is it in Bushwick? Is it somewhere? It's in Red Hook. It's in Red Hook. And so. I, f- I mean, what I heard, I didn't get to read the whole article, but I did get told it by someone else that their, you know, the red dye yeah. was like leaking into the gutter. And the bees were sucking it up. And I guess the bees like turn red with yeah. that syrup, so because the dye in the uh-huh. in the in the syrup. Um, but anyway, so somebody called an inspector because the you know like this red dies coming into this gutter and so like the inspectors came and they had to do like uh you know they had more inspectors come out and then that's when they like well before that they couldn't get um they they got tipped off that they it was a grow house uh but they couldn't get the um they couldn't get the search warrant to search the place for as for as a grow house so they went did an end around that's when the bees and the and the, the red bees came into it they got the Health inspectors to go in there when they couldn't get in there with the for the drug bust. They had the health inspectors go in, uh, and they were there all day long, apparently. And the so, guy, do you think that was a setup by the police to get those inspectors in there somehow? Well, they 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 found a way to get in there after they got shut down for their warrant. They couldn't get the warrant to get. This in is there. my movie mind thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, did you hear how it ended? You heard how. It yeah, ended. he so, like went into the bat locked went into the bathroom when they were like, "What's behind this wall?" He went into the bathroom and shot himself. Yeah. Like yeah. texted his sister or something and said, "Take care of my kids." He yelled out, "Take care of my kids," and then um, blew his brains out. And they had found they had there was a garage down there with all these expensive um, vehicles. And yeah, Rolls actually, Royce and Porsches and. And they had dug out like a you know dug out a cave from the inside out to um, and built a that big old grow house in there. Yeah. And the, and the, I guess I, I I read a story and, the, and one of the cops said, I don't understand why the guy there must be more to the story than this because yeah like you grow weed in this country and you do you he might not even do any time and this is the way things are going now. Yeah. So. I mean, exactly. I was I was talking with this, uh, talking about it, and I was like, "There's got to be more to that story because, you know, you don't just blow your brains out if you're going to jail. You know, like you're not you're not in prison." Yeah. Well, I suppose he was doing a lot of coke. And, yeah. Um, well, that's and plus also the shame of running the family business into the ground for for drugs. Yeah. Ninety. This is this is an eighty ninety year old business when your grandfather started. Yeah. And you're the generation that decides to like dig out a cave and grow weed and get and now you're busted and you and everything's gone to shit. Yeah. That's I wouldn't blow my brains out for that, but I can see where somebody might go there, especially amped up on coke. Yeah. Weed if he's smoking weed, maybe he doesn't go there. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know. So that's our neighborhood in Brooklyn. Yeah. Not far, but not still far. walkable. Yeah. Walkable is it? Yeah, it's walkable. Well, we got a snowy, we should, we snowy day here today. Yeah, and no, and people didn't even know, like neighbors didn't even know that it was a cherry factory. It was just like some. They didn't. Like most of the neighbors, like yeah, you know, they they were interviewing people after it happened, or and they, somebody had interviewed and said he's like, I didn't even know there was a cherry. Um, Warehouse there, yeah. Well, they and he's like, it was just like a plain door and just like a warehouse, like yeah. 
I heard it's but, he's, like but, they, they, but they all said they saw those, you know, expensive cars, Rolls Royce and Porsches coming in and out of there. That's a red flag. That is red. If you're, if you're yeah. <laughs> in this day and age, if you're, if you're growing, doing something Do you really need legal, a Rolls Royce? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the stupidest way to bring attention to yourself. And especially in a neighborhood where those kind of cars probably aren't, aren't uh, abundant. Yeah. I mean, it's a very industrial neighborhood. Yeah. First thing I'm thinking, cocaine. There's some cocaine, <laughs> meth lab, some kind of Breaking Bad situation is going down. Not cherries and weed. That would have been, that would have been my last guess. Um, okay. Cherry so, business is good. <laughs> cherry business is good. Until it's not. <laughs> yeah. As is the weed business picking up now. So tell me about what was the when through high school. Mm-hmm. Well, the the happy new that the happy end of the story is that you have a booming career. You could do interesting work. You get to go all over the world. So. Whatever stress your parents were feeling about you when you were 16, 17, with your drinking and drugging, it all worked out. Yeah, my mom, I think, always knew it would get better. Like, it was just, like, a bad period. I was, I felt bad about how I treated my mom in my high school years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of us feel that way. Have you ever told her that? She knows. Yeah, we've had conversations before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, gotta let them know though. If you but, if you feel it years later, mm-hmm. it's never a bad time to tell them that. Well, you know, I try to see her whenever I'm in in Texas, and mm-hmm. so what happened? Did you go? Let her know where I am in the world, and yeah, we have a good relationship now. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough time when you're when you're first using that kind of stuff, and your brain is already altered from rebelling, and yeah. Your parents don't know anything. It was definitely of some rebelling because uh, I was resentful because my parents got separated when I was a freshman in high school. Oh. And then they divorced when I was a senior. Oh, shit. So it, was, it wasn't the greatest time for, high, and for me in high school anyway. <laughs> yeah. I had a similar thing when my mom and my stepdad, they broke up when I was in high school. And, yeah. And I got angry with my mom, angry with him, and... Yeah. That's a bad time to be going through that kind of transition. So what happened after high school? Where'd you go after that? Um, I went to Colorado, ironically enough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I went to school in Colorado for a couple years, and then I came back to Texas and lived in in Austin, and that's kind of where I got into uh, doing doing music, or getting into the music industry with doing lights. Did you do any lighting stuff? At, where, where'd you go to college? Western State in where, Colorado. Where was that? Um, in Gunnison, Colorado. In Little the, small town. In the mountains? Yeah, I was more of a ski bum than I was a student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and did you, um, did you, were you smoking any pot when you were skiing? Yes. Yeah. They had all kinds of little smoke houses like in the woods. Off and off of the slopes. Smoke houses, like <laughs> yeah, they built huts? like these. Like people would come and build these like huts during the off season when it was like summertime. Yeah, and so they'd build these huts and then where you can just take a ski to them, ski and yeah. go have a toke and then get back in the trail. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so you pull into one of these places and it would 
it would have a little the stench of weed and there'd be people in there smoking already or was it were you usually yeah I mean you just, no like you sometimes go in with a group and you'd run into you know another group or a person in there but like that's what they were used for. Really? <laughs> little just pit stops. Were they popping. specifically built just for that? I mean, that's what they were used for. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think... That's what they were built for, but that's what they got a lot of use for. Yeah. <laughs> what a great way to make some new friends on the slope. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so you did that for a couple of years, then... So, yeah, and then I moved... moved to Austin? Yeah, I moved back to Dallas for a year, and was just working, doing jobs, and... Where I moved you, to Austin and was in Austin Community College for a little bit. Were you learning lighting stuff in Dallas, or did you... No, I didn't anything? learn any of that until I moved to Austin. What were you doing in, in Dallas for that year? Uh, I was just working on small jobs and yeah. living in an apartment. And, and then got back to And I was Austin. like, you know what, Dallas is not the place for me. Yeah. I got out of here right after high school, and there was a reason why. <laughs> to go back. So, yeah, so yeah. I went back there for a year... Uh, saved some money went down to Austin and I was enrolled in school for a little while and then I, w- I was working jobs and then a but friend uh, how do you get how do you get your first job on uh, doing lights I mean how do you learn something like that do you, do you, uh, are you taking classes we, at ACC I, we were self-taught um, me and a friend kind of started a company down there together with no experience whatsoever with we lights. didn't have like traditional like schooling like in theater or anything like that um i did end up taking some classes from manufacturers of like the products yeah which was really beneficial for me because it was like i'm not like school is not really my strong suit but i love learning stuff yeah and um there were like two-day classes that kind of gave an overview of like how to use this lighting console or how to fix these lights and stuff like that um so, but they were only two-day classes, which, you know, was good for me. Perfect for it, your short attention span. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you absorb a lot. And then the real learning comes after you go have that knowledge. And then you go sit behind these desks for hours and hours at a time and figure it out. And desks, the, the console desk? Mm-hmm. And actually act yeah. shows? I mean, and I've had... Shows, pre- during rehearsal? I mean, how do you, how do you get the on-the-job Okay, so... That's... Um, so we had a friend's band in Austin, and they were like, can you do lights for us at this club? They have some lights in there, and we know you're interested in doing that. And um, so we started doing that. But first of all, here, let me back up, and then yeah. we'll go back to that. I want to know, why did you pick lighting, too? Oh, what I was, was going the... to a ton of fish shows at the time. Yeah, you loved their light shows? Yeah. You had some good weed, and the light shows just... That was I was awesome. like that's the you know my favorite part of the show so. the light show mm-hmm. really so you were inspired by kickass fish light shows to yeah. get into it that's great so then you like learn about the the equipment so then we started the we, we started doing lights in that club on on Sixth Street in Austin what it club? was called the Vibe it's not there anymore the building's still there but somebody else you know it's in there now but I think it's been two things since it was yeah. the Vibe. <laughs> Um, it was I can't remember they changed it to be some Cajun bar after it was the vibe but this is a real it was really run down when I was there when it was the yeah. vibe um, it had a big stage though out back for 6th street and um, a, a, a light rig that was 
you know, decent enough to run a show. And then we ended up fixing it up for them. Did you buy, like this, did you buy we, your this, own lights and bring those in, or you just we, use what they We had? ended up buying some lights, and we'd bring those in for their bigger shows. Yeah. And that was kind of like us, you know, we'd have, we had, like, some PC software that we were running it off of at the time. Yeah. And so were you just exclusively <laughs> playing gigs at that, at that bar, at the Vibe? At the Vibe. So we mm-hmm. were just doing that band at first, mm-hmm. and then the club owner was like, hey, do you want to... The guy that had brought us in and let us you know run lights that night was this metal dude like the band had us come but the metal dude was in charge of the lighting uh-huh. at the club and so we learned some stuff like about you know stage lighting through him, this yeah. metal guy yeah <laughs> and uh but it was the name of your friend but we went in there and changed it up and like kind of cleaned it up with daryl one day i remember yeah. I fell off a ladder that day. <laughs> well, like the ladder collapsed. It was a very dangerous ladder, and I shouldn't have been on it. <laughs> it's gonna get that kind of uh, disaster out of the way early in your career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes you terrified every other time <laughs> after that. What was the name of your friend's band? Grooving Ground. Grooving Ground. Yeah, and we and another friend uh, did lights for them like he would run the intelligence and I would run the park hands or vice versa or we would just trade off yeah and is it, is it a program or are you actually moving lights it and was, changing out uh, filters and we, we hadn't had too much experience in like programming lights our, ourselves then so we were yeah. pushing buttons on someone else's setup yeah. <laughs> at the time but it looked cool but we you know we figured it out what we liked and how to yeah. change things and then started learning a little bit more about programming as things developed. Yeah. But um, they ended up asking us to do that that night every week and then uh, they ended up... and then so I don't know, remember exactly what happened with Daryl. He wanted to do something else or Darryl something. So they were like... No, Daryl was the guy that was in... In the band? No, in the club, the metal dude. Oh, uh, Okay. So he wanted to do something else, and then the owner at the time was like, well, you guys want to just do do the whole thing? And I was like, sure. Well, we were like, sure. So that was kind of our first gig. Yeah. And then we ended up buying some lights. Uh, and rent, um, We would bring them in for the bigger shows and stuff did, like so that. So did that venue have big bands? Every now and then. bands? Every now and then, but yeah. not really. But it was a lot... I feel like it was a lot busier for that kind of scene yeah. down there at the time. Do you remember doing gigs for any bands that became well-known, or was it all just a bunch of... This one, there's like cookie-cutter, one after another, and they... Well, we went, ended up going on the road with that band, Grooving Ground. Oh, you did? Yeah, so this is a jam band from Austin that played... I guess that was 2004 or 2003, 2005? Yeah. Somewhere in that range of... Of that of time, um, so you're on the road with your friends. Then? So yeah, we went on to do a couple of shows like in other places in Texas and Colorado, and uh, it was fun. <laughs> we called it the Roar Tour because <laughs> we had because I had like this mini Roar. Do you remember those bongs when they first came out? Uh-uh. It was like all glass. Yeah. And we had a heat gun, so we we had like a power inverter hooked into the van, and we were like smoking pot with this heat gun, like <laughs> vaporizing with this bong. 
big giant bong on the road with you on your, on yeah. your first road trip yeah. as, a, as a professional lighting guy? <laughs> was there any paranoia about getting caught on the? I mean, we I we had known these. I mean, we had known these guys like a long time through college, so yeah. it was like. Yeah. No, I'm talking about those. Days. Oh, those covers are cool. They're a jam band. I'm talking about the. Yeah, but it was co- like Colorado. Colorado, like you know, if you got caught with that, it was like a hundred dollar ticket. Yeah. Not really that big of a no, deal. No, we're not stressing out about it. Yeah. I mean, in Texas, it would probably be a worse scene. <laughs> yeah. But you were doing shows in Texas. Yeah. You around with your big-ass bong. I, apparently, That's... you guys were too scared. <laughs> I guess I guess not. Yeah. Probably, maybe the weed took the edge out. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah, but then, you know. And then the paranoia hits. <laughs> yeah. well, I feel like there's a stage in every possible of your life where you were paranoid. I yeah. remember that I, I had a paranoid stage where like everyone knows I'm high, I'm the cops now, I'm my you know, there's something bad to ride around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but then I kinda of, feel just... like I fought through it, passed it, like, and then I haven't had that kind of feeling for years now. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not stressing out about it. But so you guys you went on the road, you were you were getting good at this, so what happened when was the first uh after that break, we were the, going on the, the big br- tours. Oh, um, well, that came kind of later. Um, first, we kind of started getting into private events, and that's where we started making uh, more money. Yeah. Which was... Um, How did you get those gigs? Just so that out. was an interesting one. Somebody had just, like, given uh, our name to this, like, event coordinator, and they said that they do lighting. And we went to look at this event space, and we didn't really know what we were doing there at the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you but we we're like walking around. He's showing us the ballroom and stuff, and uh, we're just like both looking at each other, like, "Where's the stage going?" <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, we don't. There's no stage." He's like, "We just want to light this ballroom up, like, so to make it look cool." Like oh, and and they were like here here's our budget, and we're like whoa, (laughs) oh we got to do more of this. We should probably be doing these. Yeah, that was your first corporate gig. That yeah, and then they and then escalated from there. Yeah, and so it was like. So what are you doing, like? um, So then we got into more venue. Then we got into more venues. First in Antones, and then into Stubbs, and I worked at Stubbs for almost like five years as like one of the house LDs. Really? So that's where I kind of like started making some uh, contacts with yeah. uh, with bands and whatnot. Do you remember your first big show at Stubbs? Uh, Stubbs gets everybody. I mean, I think the first show when we got in there was Nine Inch Nails, which was kind of <sighs> crazy because it was in such a small venue that they were playing. Well, not the in what, well, but the, in the backyard area. They weren't doing yeah the in the backyard inside. No, 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 no. That would have been. Yeah, way too small. But wow. But yeah, Stubbs had an incredible amount of good artists coming through there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember at that time? Were you freaking out before the Nine Inch Nails concert? That's Nine Inch Nails is like my favorite production. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's your favorite band. Your favorite? No, it's like my favorite production. Really? Yeah, they have like the most crazy light show. And did they already have something set up, or did you have to um, come up with something? No, it was it, they. I mean, these acts were bringing their own LDs, like oh, I do now, oh, yeah. through there. Right. But you know, you'd be helping them all day, so I learned a lot. That's where that. that's where you go to school, right there. Huh? Yeah. 
So you're, you're, you're working with the lighting directors for some of the biggest acts in the world coming through there and learning how they do it. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So that's a good crash course. Yeah. You had five years worth of that? Yeah. I mean, we had some experience in the other places, but, you know, Stubbs is where I started really learning more about the gear and yeah. setup and, you know. And you'd be fun to go on the road with. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you don't get to pick that, though. Well, they were asking, obviously, they're asking you, what was the, what was the first big band that wanted uh that requested you to be there. You so you you did you go transition from that to you were the LD on the road with a band. Um. During wait, your stuff, after your stub years. Wait, say that question. <laughs> so you're doing stub years for five years, learning from all these uh-huh. masters. And oh yeah, and, and then, then you get asked to be the LD. Hey, we're going on a American tour. Mm-hmm. You I did like, work for this little uh, jam band at the time. Um, called the Numa Trio, and it was like a van tour. The Numa that was trio? the Numa. Numa. Yeah, P N U M A. It was a, a trio, and um, one of them's like a pretty big DJ now. He's doing good, and the other one's still in another band called uh, Mansions on the Moon. Yeah. Yeah, that was your first mm-hmm. going on the road. Yeah, and Paper band. Diamond is the the DJ. Yeah. And he's he's pretty big now. Um what else? Oh yeah, and then was kind of my first like rock band that I went on the road with. Indie band, I would call, say. Yeah. Did you That's kind of I mean, there's some of my favorite music of any of the artists I've been on the road with. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Mm-hmm. When did so when did that happen? Um oh, eight, oh, nine. That was oh seven. I did these like radio shows with them. Um, it was my first tour with them. All over the states. Yeah, it was like all these fly dates. Um, were you the LD or were you helping somebody else out? No, I was the LD. I was the only, like kind of the guy that set it up, ran yeah. it, took it down. Do you travel everything a lot? Were you, so you solo or do you have a? I was solo on yeah. that tour. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So and that was, that's it. you've been working with them ever since. So you haven't fucked that up. <laughs> well, on and off, I've had some other bands that you know, you have tours that kind of conflict with each other too. So then you gotta figure out who and who's the uh, pecking order. Who's is it dumb down well, money or is there relationships? I mean, I guess it's a lot of factors involved. Yeah. Yeah. This calling you're going right. Well, I've got a little conflict with this year with this. You do? Yeah. So. Even though they gave you your start, you gotta say, man. <laughs> is it, is it come down to yes, bigger but, venues? Well, it comes down to more work. Yeah. You know, because right. if they don't have a ton of shows, like, you know. You can't so. say no to 50 dates. I'll try. When they have 20 dates over yeah. a month, two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I'm sure people will understand that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. So, um, do you mind? I don't know. Uh, what's that? Do you mind talking about this? Uh, I don't really want to get into business stuff. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. It's, to me, it's, it's fascinating because it's the behind the scenes stuff, but it's cool, man. Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, I was just thinking about that. I was like, hi. I'm like, am I saying too much? I'll let you listen to it before I do anything with it. Because I was thinking about that as I'm like saying bands' names and stuff. I was like, do I really want, you know? Okay, well, (laughs) listen, you can, I'm going to, before I even post it online, I'll post it on SoundCloud, let you listen to it. Yeah. And I won't do anything with it until you say what's in or out. Because I want people to feel comfortable to. Yeah, yeah share their stuff and if you don't if you want to rena- remain an- anonymous that's remain cool. Jim remain Jim <laughs> legendary Jim Jim glad to meet you <laughs> yeah Jim that's cool well Jim I think we're gonna wrap it up here and uh, let's go get some food and um, go out and snow cool. we're in Brooklyn here yeah just wait for that jailbreak just Jim <laughs> signing off here thank you Episode two in the can. Some that may or may not stay in the cans. And there's no cans here now. This digital. We're in the digital age here. But uh, Jim Steele is gonna have a listen and tell us uh, if there's anything in that conversation we just heard that needs to come out, needs to change, needs to be followed up on. So hopefully we'll have a part two with Jim here soon. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And uh, I don't really have a tagline here yet. So for all ears, keep on, uh, keep coming back. Thank you. And Jim, let us know what you think. Okay?